Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Yes, here we are. We are back on a President's Day. We're going to honor all presidents today, all the way from George Washington to the current guy. <laughs> uh, by the way, we were talking about this case uh, that uh, this judge and Gorin has ruled uh, that uh, Trump has to pay uh, 300 and what did we say it was 340 some million dollars I think 355 million in fines and fees you know the if there is an appeal which I'm sure there will be and in every indication it appears that there already is the process being put his argument uh, his argument is going to be his own attorneys say look the Legal analysis said it hinges on the argument that there are no victims. It's unusual. There's one of the issues here, said white-collar criminal defense attorney Paul D. Obanhazen, reported in Reuters, we haven't really seen this type of proceeding before against a very large New York uh, corporation or business. Syracuse University law professor Gregory German appeared to dispute this case, telling Reuters that the attorney general's job is to protect people who can't protect themselves, adding that we're dealing with very large, sophisticated lenders here who are very fully capable of protecting themselves and haven't asked the attorney general for any help. I think the judges are going to have to look carefully at what the powers of the attorney general are here. Are are they so broad that any lie can put you out of business, even if nobody believed it or nobody charged you with one? After Judge Ngoran's ruling, there have been warnings that businesses may not want to operate out of New York State, potentially leading to a downturn in the state's economy. That prompted Governor Kathy Holklaw to try and reassure businesses that they have nothing to worry about after the ruling, unless you happen to be Trump or be of somebody like Trump. Isn't that interesting that a, that a chief law professor at Syracuse University says the law or the, the, the statue of the attorney general is to protect people who can't protect themselves? We're dealing with very sophisticated lenders here who are fully capable of protecting themselves and haven't asked the attorney general for help. But because she hated Donald Trump so bad, she decided to come out and rule against him. Anyway, we're, uh, we're, this, this case is not over by a long shot. Uh, so we'll see how this goes down. In the meantime, we're a week away from the uh, pro- preliminary voting going on in uh, in South Carolina. Uh, Nikki Haley is trying very, very hard to uh, to f- find some way to catch fire there. But as of right now, the p- latest polling's out just the last couple of days have her substantially behind Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump has scheduled some big rallies in South Carolina on Friday and Saturday, uh, the day a couple of days before the uh, uh, the preliminary voting there. Anyway, we have some callers on the line. First up is our friend Tom from over in Port Wing. Tom, good morning. Well, good morning to you, Brad. Um, you know, the first thing, I'm, I'm going to comment about the case that you're talking about. You know, judge or justice and Gorin ruled pre-trial that Trump had committed fraud. 
Now, that in and of itself, Brad, is a reason to call a mistrial. I mean, he didn't even go through any legal process. The judge, not some bystander in the court, the judge himself said that Trump had committed fraud. Now, right. if that isn't a tainted judge, I don't know how else, you know, uh, to describe it. It's beyond belief that uh, he would do something that egregious as a justice of the New York uh, Supreme Court. So that it, well, and like, and like uh, you yeah. said, this is a judge that ruled this, that made this statement even before the trial began. No jury ruled on this. It was simply the judge who had already determined before the case even started that he had committed fraud. Right. You go into court and they haven't even started and the judge comes out and says, uh, I know this guy murdered so-and-so. Uh, case over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is what the Democrats are doing. They're, what they're doing is they're destroying the law in order to get Trump. And the problem with that is the law is intended to protect not only the innocent, but also the guilty. Because if you don't have that, Brad, then you end up with the guy like uh, the guy in Russia who ends up in jail with false charges. And he, you can't get him out of that jail no matter what you do. And if you go and put flowers on a little memorial somewhere, uh, then you're in jail. Yeah. So yeah. be careful, Democrats, what you wish for. Stop your Democrat friends now and say, think before you act any further. But the reason I called you this morning, Brad, is I wanted to talk about Solinsky this weekend coming out and waving his tin cup in the uh, face of the American people and basically blaming us if uh, we don't cough up the money and the ammunition he needs. Here's what I said long ago, Brad. The Europeans needed to get 200,000 men and put them on that, that uh, Ukrainian border and let yeah. them know... That, that they mean business, okay? Now, where it is today, they need to put 400,000 European men on that border to, to convince them they, they, that they've had enough of this stuff. They have lived in the lap of luxury of the United States umbrella for 70-some years. I see Europe. I see how well they live. I, I don't see them hurting for anything. You can't get these pikers to even pay for their contributions to NATO to defend themselves. Exactly. Ukraine. Yes. And, yeah, that's and uh, that's where Donald Trump. That's where Donald Trump held their feet to the fire early on. He said, "Look, do you, none of you people are paying your fair share. Germany, especially, who had been at two world wars, were not paying nearly their fair share to put to put military uh, might behind their word. And uh, so, all of a sudden, a lot of them did come along with more money." But you're absolutely right. Let me let me just read you one quick sentence out of a New York Times story this morning, because it, it talks specifically about the fact that Russia has taken over uh, this one city uh, in the Ukraine now that they've been fighting over for a long time. Uh, Divika, I think it is the city of Divika. And they say in the story, it says, Ukraine is back on the defensive against Russia in the nearly two-year war, hindered by low ammunition supplies and a shortage of personnel. 
See, yeah. at some at some point, Ukraine is going to run out of people that are capable of picking up arms and fighting against Russia. Brad, they, what they need, they don't need U.S. dollars. They don't need U.S. ammunition. They need Europeans to stand up and act like men and march themselves to that border now and say, we're going to put our real men on the line. Not the yep. U.S. dollars, not U.S. ammunition, but real live Poles, real live Brits, real live French, Germans, and then you will get Putin's attention. Until they're willing to do that and to sit, up, sit there and scold the United States for not giving uh, Zelensky more money, I'm, I'm really outraged over this. And for the nerve of that guy to stand there with his tin cup and blame U.S., Guys like you yeah. and me, we're not carrying the, enough water for him. Too bad, Buster. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. And then you yeah. look, I think it was 60 Minutes last night. It was either 60 Minutes or, or the morning show on Sunday that showed a lot of these uh, Ukrainian soldiers that have been badly wounded in this situation, lost limbs and arms. you you got to feel bad for them. But where are they being treated? right here in the United States at some of our great military hospitals where we have treated our own badly wounded uh, people from conflicts like uh, Korea and Vietnam and and uh, the Desert Storm War. They have all of these Ukrainians here being uh, fitted with new limbs, new arms. So in essence, we are paying for the war, sending ammunition, and healing the wounded from the war, but we're not really in the war. <laughs> and I mean, they will never win at that rate. No. They, they don't no. have enough manpower to beat the Russians. You know, eventually the Russians will overwhelm them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the yeah. point? They need those European men to come and be real men, you know, and we've already spent $7 trillion in Iraq and Afghanistan. We're done. We borrowed yeah. enough money. When they need real men, they don't need dollars. They need real men. They don't need ammunition. So I hope you understand what I hope you understand what Tom has just said because that's the real crux of this. They don't need more artillery shells. They don't need more missiles. Yeah, they could probably use them in this fight, but as the New York Times, a very liberal publication came out this morning and said they are hindered by low ammunition supplies and a shortage of personnel. They have now started uh, recruit, not recruiting. They have a draft system where they're taking people up to 50 years of age into the military. Uh, You know, some of these people I saw that that were being fitted with prosthetic limbs and arms and some of them were butchers and bricklayers and none of them had been professional military before this conflict these people are uh, you know conscripted into the military to stand up against one of the biggest uh, most sophisticated militaries on the existence of the world and uh, now they're starting to run out of manpower and uh, they're trying to change the way they're fighting the war. Uh, this new commander, you know, which they, by the way, they've also changed that changed their uh, head of the military. Uh, 
the the new commander now has said we're withdrawing troops from this city to prevent their encirclement and to save soldiers' lives because they now realize that if they try to hang on to this uh, Avidica, they could lose what personnel they have there that are protecting the thing. Uh, Before Ukraine loses more territory, uh, they've got to pull back into defendable areas. Biden has come out in the meantime and said, look, Ukrainians have fought so bravely. Well, I'm sure they have. And they have with what little army they have compared to the Russians. But nobody else is doing as Tom said. No other country over there, not France, not Germany, not uh, any of the neighboring countries have stepped up and said, you know what, we'll send you 50,000 men. Because they're not willing to commit their own manpower to this meat grinder. They're running out of ammunition. We're going to walk away. I find it absurd, Biden said. Well, they're running out of manpower more than they are ammunition. Uh, the, the general, this uh, the new Colonel General Olakoska Sariski, or I guess that's how you pronounce it anyway, said the Ukrainian troops were moving to more favorable lines where we can defend our military more favorably. Our soldiers perform their military duty with dignity, uh, but we need to move them to a more defendable position. We are taking measures to stabilize the situation and maintain our positions. You know, war is war is ugly. It's the ugliest of ugly. But as I've said so many times, it's not to determine who's right. It's determine who's left. How many people are left? They are in this conflict right now, this uh, one city area onslaught of about 15,000 Russian soldiers. But he expects the situation would soon become critical. The enemy is trying to penetrate our defenses and in some places to bypass our positions. And their their warplanes. Russia has a huge air air uh, air force. Uh, Ukraine has nothing left for air force. Uh, they, they are drawing dropping over sixty bombs a day and relentlessly shelling and launching assaults with armor and infantry onto this city that they have now decided to pull back from to a more defendable position. So you know I don't know that. Us spending more and more American money. For what? Because we think it's the right thing to do? Because we want to stand up against against Russia? If we really want to stand up, Joe Biden, commit the military to fight in this war. But you don't want to do that. You just want to um, give aid to other people to do the job. Listen, we got to take our first break here of hour number two. Uh, Kenny, do I do I get to just disappear and go watch the uh, wild in uh, about forty five minutes? Oh no, no, but we're going to get no, updates uh, because the wild will drop the puck at one o'clock on seven ten a.m. So we'll uh, we'll get some updates here. Uh, good, 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 yeah. good. I'm glad to hear that. All right, well, we'll be back right after this first break. KDAL time is twelve twenty seven. Uh, we're sunny. We're uh, chilly. Thirty one is the current high. Twenty five on the wind chill with a wind out of the east at six miles an hour, but lots of sunshine. Uh, Bradley, over the weekend, the Duluth Sports Show uh, has come and gone. KDAL had a booth there, Midwest Communications, rather, so all the radio stations were representing. Uh, My wife and I were down Saturday from 3 to 5, saw a ton of people, and uh, we had a a giveaway, uh, Denny's Lawn and Garden, 
uh, did to provide a power washer that somebody was going to win. Somebody did, in fact, win it. And what we had was we had a jar of golf balls, and you had to guess the number of golf balls. Oh, And okay. uh, we got a winner this morning. There were multiple guesses that were correct. There were 41. Really? There were 41 <laughs> golf balls in that jar, and uh, we got a winner this morning. Skylar Madela, and Skylar Madela has been notified and was the winner of that power wash um, from uh, Denny's Lawn and Garden. It was a good time. Lots of uh, people showed up, people that listened to your show and made a mention of that, listened to you and Brad, and all right, so it was a good time. Did you did you get a chance to stop by True North Flag? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh. I forgot I wonder, about it. You know, I wonder how that went for them. I'd be curious to know. Oh, they sold out, Brad. Did they? I'm well. Yeah, of course. There's I'm no sure way they, they could have stocked that many down there. Maybe they took orders. I don't know, but. Uh, we tried he to... had ordered in a bunch of the original Minnesota state flags. Yep. That that uh, that I think should still be our state flag by the way, but uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh but he ordered a bunch of the original flags in and we talked about it on the show and so I'm I'm sure that he's probably, he probably did quite well with those flags. Um and I'd be curious to see. I'm sure we will hear from him at some point here. Anyway, the uh, Minnesota. Uh, by the way, there was a there was a reader's view uh, in in the uh, in the Duluth News Tribune this morning from from John Sandy, who now lives in Northport, Alabama, I guess. And he, he simply said the people who designed a new seal for the state of Minnesota either lacked an understanding of or chose to ignore Minnesota's rich and diverse natural and cultural history. The story of humans in Minnesota began around 10,000 years ago with Indian culture largely unknown. Those early inhabitants were followed by Indians still present in Minnesota today. Next population migration from Europe brought more cultural changes to the upper Mississippi region. At issue here is a newly designed Minnesota state seal that focuses on the Dakota Indians to the exclusion of European people and even other Indians, such as the Ojibwe Chippewa, who made Minnesota what it is today, making the new state seal even more flawed. Images of pine forests and loons bringing thoughts of the Northland, suggesting the prairies, hardwood forests, farms, and cities are unimportant in Minnesota life. The new state seal, which highlights nature in a broad context with the North Star as the centerpiece, along with a hint of human endeavors uh, in, in by more Minnesotans, is a better approach to showcase the glory and greatness of Minnesota. In other words, he likes the original flag as well. So it'll be curious to see how he did with the sale. I'm sure he probably did sell out. Anyway, uh, we're keeping an eye on a story uh, this morning that we opened up with out of Burnsville, Minnesota, where two police officers have been shot and killed, plus an ETM that was a member of the SWAT team was also shot and killed. And another officer was shot and wounded that appears like he's going to be in in fine uh, condition. But we would like to know how the individual that did the shooting, why uh, he was given his firearms back. Because the story 
this morning indicates that he, at one point, uh, back a number of years ago, had his firearm, the right to own and bear firearms, taken away from him because he had committed some crime with a firearm. But we somehow decided to give it back to him. And he used those firearms, along with a multitude of ammunition, to open up on these non-suspecting people uh, that were there. And now, was the family in the home his family? Were these these seven children, were they his children? We'll find out a lot more as we go on here. But uh, Or was he just renting space in the home? Anyway, authorities identified the two officers and the firefighter paramedics who were killed. They identified the Burnsville officers as Paul Elmstrand and Matthew Ruge. The firefighter paramedic was was identified as Adam Finseth. One other police officer, Sergeant Adam Middlecott, was injured. He was taken to the hospital. He is believed to have non-life-threatening injuries. And thank God, and I bet you he's... uh, Counting his lucky stars this morning. Anyway, we've got to take our first break here. Or did we take our did we take our first break? Yeah, we did. We're gonna do CBS okay. News. We gotta do CBS News. That's what we're doing. I'm getting behind in time here. We'll uh we'll do CBS and then we'll come back with more here on Sound Off on a Monday in the Northland. KDAL time is twelve thirty seven. 32 degrees in Superior. It's freezing in Superior, Wisconsin at 32. And the winds are out of the east at 9, so 24 in the wind chill. And uh, we'll see maybe 35 today in Superior, 35, 36. And tomorrow maybe a little warmer, uh, maybe not as much sun. But Wednesday for Superior, mostly sunny, and they're saying a high of 44. My goodness. This is just astonishing, this mild winter we've had brad there is no snow and, and kenny man kenny look at the long range forecast i, I have think next week they're predicting maybe even 50 well yeah i'm not going to look out to highs necessarily but the national weather service the climate prediction center uh, for the next two weeks the temperature outlook is above normal like way above normal and the precipitation yeah. outlook is above normal so we got to assume that that precip will be in the form of rain, rain. Yeah. and it really is something, Brad. And, Brad, uh, one other note here. Former President Jimmy Carter has been in hospice uh, for yes. a one year now. The Carter family yeah. released a statement, this was yesterday, saying that they are grateful for the many expressions of love that they've received. But since entering hospice care at his home in Georgia, the former president has celebrated his 99th birthday and received tributes to his legacy and lost his wife, Rosalind, last year. But uh, former President Jimmy Carter, man, he's a survivor. I'll tell you what, Kenny. I saw a video piece of him last night at a church where he was brought in so they could, can, you know, thank him for his service and stuff at one of the local churches there. He looked terrible. I mean, he really looked bad. Well, hey, let's take. What are you going to look like? Yeah, we're going to take a look at you when you're 99, Mister. <laughs> Uh-huh. You might see you might see nothing but dust and bones, but you know. <laughs> and one final sports note: the Daytona 500 will take place today. Oh, that's going today. Yeah. yeah, a one day rain delay. NASCAR postponed Sunday's race due to bad weather in Florida. Joey Logano will start from the pole at Daytona, and it's scheduled to start at 4 p.m. Eastern, so three o'clock uh, Duluth time. Look for the Daytona 500 to start, and you can find that on the TV somewhere. I think Fox. I'm not sure. Probably, yeah. 
But uh, why would you, you know, want to watch uh, the TV when you got the radio to listen to? Wink, wink. Uh, yeah, but you know, I just heard you say something about watching the wild game the other night. <laughs> Excuse me. What, did, did you say no, something? I can't I hear you. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. No, the reason I'm interested in, in watching the wild today is because I think today they're going to bring out this new forward. Uh, well, he's not new. We've known about him for a while, but uh, Mason Shaw playing his first NHL game since blowing out his right knee. Now, you know, don't expect too much out of this guy, although I guess he's a real dog, a real competitor. But he has had four, count them, not one, not yeah. two, not three, four uh, knee surgeries. ACL replacements ACL, or reattachments. Yeah. And yeah. this is kind of a miracle almost, but he can't have another one. Another one will end his career. I was reading oh. about this surgery, and after a while you just lose bone mass and it just exactly. I, I well, hope he's okay. I hope it doesn't happen to him again. But oh, I hope so too. I was reading something. I thought they had taken some artificial muscle and rebuilt part of it. Oh, I'm sure they knees. do some. Just give him bionic yeah. knees. There you go. You know, there you go. And uh, yeah, but he is a heck of a player. He'll be a big addition to this uh, lineup. Well, I hope so. They need it. And this Chisholm, I think, is like you say, is going to fit right in on defense. So. Anyway, interesting story this morning, Northlanders. Uh, in before we take our Minnesota news break here, I want to get into this a little bit because this was written uh, by a lefty, <laughs> by someone who doesn't like Donald Trump, and yet he wrote the story, and it was the story appeared in the New Republic. It said the big thing about Don about Trump's presidency that Team Biden needs to get. In other words, this guy was basically saying, look, uh, Trump's uh, president, well, in fact, even he, he's, his name is Michael Tomaski, and he writes, he said, for liberals and Democrats, Trump's presidency was a moral hellscape, but swing voters have a very different view. Accepting this is absolutely vital. In other words, if you don't accept the fact that swing voters liked what they saw in the uh, Trump presidency, it could be all over again. It could happen again. For me and for most of my friends, I'm guessing for, uh, I'm guessing for you, the Trump presidency was daily hell for four years. That's what he says anyway about what he thought about it. But he says when NBC uh, changed that call in North Carolina, they made it clear that there was a wave of Trump voters the polling didn't catch. Uh, he was he was going to win, and he did win. And he said last week, NBC produced a poll showing that respondents were remembering the Trump years comparatively fondly. Okay, so you, so in other words, they're saying this. He he says, look, don't roll your eyes and and tongue click these people. It's virtual. It's it's vital that we ponder this. If it, this is a lefty speaking now, if we don't want it to happen again, respondents were asked to Biden and Trump whether each man had what what each man had done about uh, what about the kind of job they expected, uh, a better job or a worse job. For Biden, the numbers were this. This is now remember this is an NBC poll a week ago. For Biden. 
thought that he had done a better job than they expected him to do. 44% as expected and 42% worse. Remember that. Now, 14% thought he did a better job than they expected. 44% about exactly what they expected. And 42% worse. When it came to Donald Trump, what people thought, 40% said that he did a better job than they expected. 31% about exactly what they expected. And 29% worse. So what do these numbers tell you? They tell you that a lot of the middle voters, the, the, the people that, that will throw a race one way or the other, the independents, if you, if you like, the, the economy dominates people's thoughts about what they thought about the prior presidency, what they thought about the job he did, etc. And it looks like people have a, and this is again coming from a lefty, it looks uh, it, like he, like Trump, did a very good job. For example, they talk, if you're paying only attention to the economy, the stock market, it did well in Obama's last three years, climbing from 16,458 to 19,827 on the day that Trump was inaugurated. But in Trump's first three years, it went from that number all the way up to 29,348. One more statistic. The median household income number in 2019. Median household income rose steadily during the Obama years after the meltdown. A thousand here, three thousand there. That's how it usually goes. But from 2019 to 2000, or 2018 to 2019, Median household income jumped from 63,100 to 68,700, the biggest single year increase going back 30 plus years. And more than that, it rose more in the lowest quintella than it did in the highest. In other words, the lower group of people, that's why so many blacks have come out and said that they're going to vote for Donald Trump because during his presidency, their economy did pretty well. It's interesting how when you read it from a lefty uh, who says— A lefty? You make it sound like he's a pitcher or something. Well, no. <laughs> a lefty? He's a, he's a hardcore Democrat who okay, didn't like uh, Donald all Trump. Right, all right. But, he, but he admits that you better pay attention to what uh, the middle-of-the-road people are thinking about or else he's going to catch you again. A lefty. Just call him a southpaw. There we go. All right. Anyway, we got Bob from Duluth who wants to comment on this topic as well. Uh, Bob, good afternoon. How are you? Good, good. I just have a quick, uh, quick question here and, and, a, and a statement. Uh, I, I can't start out any longer. You know, how much of the problems that Trump has are due to our self-inflicted and how many are inflicted by the Democrats? The irony of the Democrats, I think, is that their pursuing of Trump all of this time has really added exactly to what Trump uh, would like to happen. To be honest with you, I don't think Trump cares whether or not he ever becomes president again. I, I think that's almost irrelevant to him. I think what because he's a megalomaniac, 
I think the only thing that matters to him is that he becomes the center of attention. Ah, and for okay. Three, for three and a half years, uh, he's managed to do that, partly because of his you know, falling over his own feet, and, uh, and to some extent as well, this crazy pursuit of the Democrats uh, about him. I, I think this, the Democrats are just as responsible for for him being in the news cycle every week as Trump himself is. And, <laughs> and, and so I don't know at a point. So if, whether he wins it or not, I don't think it matters. But I, just a comment, too, about uh, this article that you just brought up. You know, yeah. I'm one of these people who voted for Trump initially, and uh, uh, primarily because of, of Hillary Clinton. But over the ensuing, sure. ensuing years, I've sort of cooled off on that. So I, I, still, I still seriously wonder if those marginal people or those independents or those Democrats who voted for Trump initially will do it again. And despite the polls, I think, you know, uh, you know uh, with Biden and how poorly he's doing, I'm wondering that when it actually comes to the, uh, you know, sitting in that voting booth, whether yeah. at that moment in time, no matter how they feel about Biden, as Democrats, they're just simply going to vote for him again, irregardless. Well, of I think, how the, badly I he think there is up. some of that. Yeah. I think there is some of that, Bob. I, I don't doubt that for a moment. Uh, you you raise some very good uh, points here, and I think uh, let me just read you one last paragraph in this story again from this guy that comes Michael Tomoski and comes right out and said, "Hey, I never voted for him, but I'm starting to see the big picture of why those in the middle, those undivided or undecided voters that claim they're independent." He said, "There's one final uncomfortable reality that we have to come to terms with, which is that for these voters." Donald Trump is not a moral monster. He just not. He's embarrassing. He's a little wild with his rhetoric at times. They wouldn't necessarily want their sons to be like him, but they think he ran the country pretty well. It may be hard to believe, but this opinion is widely shared. Read the story describing the results of what the NBC poll I linked above uh, says. This is the one big point about Trump's presidency and perception of it that the Biden campaign needs to understand. The voters who are going to decide this election think Trump wasn't so bad. They may even think he was pretty good. So anyway, we've got to take our uh, our break here, do our Minnesota news, and then we'll come back with more. KDAL time, 1255-32 at Sky Harbor Airport. And Chris Dahlberg, I'm sure you can see those whitecaps out there. The winds are out of the northeast at 15 miles an hour. Oh, boy. Pretty healthy White out there. Caps. The flag is flying <laughs> strongly. Uh, so. Hey, Brad, I got, a, I got an interesting one for you. I get the Wall Street Journal all the time. Sure, sure. And on the weekend, I get this really fancy, glossy thing, and it's on fashion. And that, the, the life of that glossy usually in my household goes about only 10 seconds, and it goes in the sound of fire. Because it's... <laughs> It's got it's got silly fashion. It shows these men in these bright lime green uh, trout fishing waders, you know, and it's all the silly things. And they've got a a bow hat or something, and you know, it's always sure. fancy. You know, nobody would wear this around here. But no. the great article they had in this glossy. Uh, it was about a, a family that had probably billions in art, 
and they wanted to pass it on to the third generation. But what happened is mom had a fall, daughter raced mom to the hospital. Lo and behold, oh boy. that daughter ended up, the, the trust was changed, language was changed. She got some major stuff that the other sis, two sisters didn't get. Uh, they're fighting, and, uh, and this happens all about undue influence. So for the listeners, if you have issues, and so call us so I can see if I can help. But sometimes there's somebody in the family that maybe took advantage of a situation, and they go, this wasn't right. Uh, they're, they're not giving us the money. We think they're spending it. Or they're, they're launching like bow weevils in mom's house, and they can't get out. Call the Dahlberg right. office, 218 722 5809, 218 722 5809, and Dahlberg Law is on the web at Dahlberg Law.com. Well, Chris Dahlberg, uh, you've been an attorney long enough where you've probably seen cases like this where a uh, 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 somebody gets into a family, maybe into the mother who's left alive after the after her husband dies, or, and starts to have a little influence, takes her places, takes her to dinner, and all the time trying to maneuver into getting their names on the will. And sometimes it happens. Brad, when I go into these things quickly, what I always say is I like to go in as the reasonably paranoid attorney. Okay? There you go. There I like to go. go as a reasonably paranoid attorney. I do tend to look sometimes in life at the darker side, and I ask all these questions about family because sometimes things happen out there. But uh, I'm always keeping my antennas up, and I don't have to put tinfoil on my head either. (laughs) Good job. All right, Krista. Chris, give your phone number one more time, please. Sure. It's Dahlberg Law, 218-722-5809. We'd appreciate the calls. All right. Thank you, Chris Dahlberg, attorney at law. Let me just end this story about uh, this guy that wants people to remember that there's a lot of middle roaders that voted for Trump and they liked some of the stuff that happened during his presidency. He says, my, he ends his story by saying, my salient point is this, those of us who have resided in our, in our bubble need to take stop, stock of all of our shared presumptions about Trump and remember that these voters, again, the ones who will decide the election, don't share any of those presumptions. Right now, they remember that the economy was doing pretty well under Trump, and they've forgotten all the bad stuff. The Democrats have to turn their memories around by uh, the election time, or they could have that fate again of waking up the morning after. So, good stuff. We'll be back. we got one more hour to go, folks, so stick around for Sound Off on a Monday in the Northland. <music> 